0: Welcome to Ageing for Beginners with Dr Doug and Dave. Dr Doug Wilson is a leading medical researcher who has spent the past 30 years reading every bit of research there is on ageing. He knows a thing or two about getting older and of course he has a vested interest. He's 82 and he's in his prime. I'm Dave King. I'm a middle aged man with terrible genes and a fear about what the future holds. Can Doug set me on the right path? Hello Doug, how are you? I'm very well Dave. You sound well but I've been worried about you. I heard through the grapevine i.e. national radio the other day that you have had a diagnosis of Parkinson's. So uh either the opportunist I, I, I thought it would be a good good chance to talk about Parkinson's. So, so let's start at the beginning Doug and please reassure me you haven't diagnosed yourself have you? This is a Uh, you've been to a neurologist? This is the proper thing. This is a proper Uh, thing. I I didn't mean to cast aspersions on your own diagnosis. (laughs) But let's start at the beginning. What were your symptoms, Doug? Well, I think I've had
1: problems for probably about a year, maybe about 18 months. Yeah, I've had some aching pains in my left arm and the occasional spasm in my back or neck. And, of course, when you do that, you go along to the GP and he has a look and said, I wonder what's causing problems in your... um, in your arm, it's intermittent. Maybe yeah. it's something to do with your shoulder joint. So you have an x-ray of the shoulder joint and it doesn't show anything. And then the orthopedic surgeon says, well, it might, might be the elbow. So, And with the referring pain up your arm. So we have an x-ray of the elbow and that didn't show anything. So at that stage, the very astute general practitioner says, you're actually walking something slightly funny because you're carrying your left arm as though there's something wrong with it. I said, well, no, it's not. I said, well, yes, the issue, the issue is. you, is. my wife had pointed it out. Why are you sort of carrying your left arm like that? Hmm. And then suddenly it looked as though this was something more than an orthopedic problem. It was clearly something that was unusual and something might be neurological. So I went along to the neurologist with the help of the general practitioner, and she was a very astute woman who was very experienced in Parkinson's disease and says, I think you probably got early Parkinson's disease. Mm. which wasn't exactly the nicest sort of um, news to get. No, How how did you feel, Doug? Well, we all have a traditional view of people with advanced Parkinson's who've got a shaking in in one or other or both of their hands. Mm. They walk. They sort of shuffle when they walk. Mm. They appear to do things slowly, and it certainly appears that their thinking might slow down a little bit. So I know it's a progressive disease, and I realise that, there are some quite famous people who've had Parkinson's disease.
0: Yeah, Michael Michael J. Fox, Michael J.
1: Fox, of 28. Yeah, uh, and 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 John Walker, the the, the runner, had about oh. 43 diagnosed with Parkinson's. Yes, yes. Billy Connolly has been diagnosed with Parkinson's, and he said the other day at an interview, and someone said to him, "You've got Parkinson's." He says, "I've got Parkinson's disease. I wish the bugger had kept it to himself."
0: Brilliant. And, and so you wish the bugger had kept it to himself as well. But your symptoms, obviously, you know, we all get aches and pains, but this was a little bit more, was it?
1: It, it was. Yeah. And Barry Snow is a very um, experienced Parkinson's physician in, in Auckland. Mm. And he, he describes a comment that's widely used about Parkinson's. When you've seen one Parkinson's patient, you've seen one Parkinson's patient. Because the clinical pattern can be so variable. I see. But if, we go, if we go back to the to, to the beginning, it's um it's called Parkinson's disease because in 1817, Dr. James Parkinson in the UK published an essay on the shaking palsy, mm. which in fact was his sort of shorthand definition of what you looked like when you had Parkinson's disease. And after that, there was a very famous French. Physician called Charcot, who worked at the Petriere in Paris, the great neurological hospital there, and in about 1870 he updated the, the, the description and described the features of classic Parkinson's very accurately. So the the, the, the the major features of it are that you've got some people have certainly have a tremor, and that tremor is worse when their hands are at rest. And sometimes it can be quite severe and it could limit the type of things that they actually do. They can have muscle rigidity. That is, their arms are quite stiff and they move things like quite carefully. And I was finding a little bit of difficulty with that. And I was also finding difficulty doing up buttons. Now, of all the things that you assume that you learn how to do buttons when you're a little kid mm. and you would think that, goodness me, this shouldn't be a problem. But suddenly I was noticing that it was a bit of a problem and sometimes when I was trying to get a shirt off at the end of the day, I sometimes had to go and look in the mirror to see how I was manipulating the button. And that clearly is a demonstration that sometimes your fine muscle movements, which are those that are amongst the complaining ones for Parkinson's disease, were less efficient than they ever used to be. It's a similar thing with doing up bows. Mm. So I had this sort of very slow movement at this this aspect of of my um, Apart from that, the rest of it seemed to be pretty good. Mm. However, the, the, the issue for Parkinson seems to be that people get muscle spasm, they get muscle rigidity, the muscles don't really relax properly. They've got slowed movement, what's called bradykinesia, because the wonderful names have been involved with this. Yes. Your face can become less animated, yes. and people can think you're staring at them with what's called a sort of Parkinson mask. Yes. People can do, have freezing, they start to walk, and it's as if their feet are sort of stuck to the ground and they, the, the muscles start to go apart from the feet and then suddenly they start again and they have this sort of jiggery walk as, 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 they, as they go along. People's handwriting tends to get smaller, again, with the same issue about, about the muscles and poor sleep, waking up at night and issues uh, like that. And a few other aspects of, of stuff, sometimes a little, um, a little depression and, and mood shift. Mm. So it's, it's it's very, very variable, and that's why Barry Snow says you've seen one, but you've only seen one. You've only <laughs> When, very, when
0: you've, you've, seen very one,
1: you've seen one, you've seen
0: one. Great question, and it's a very delicate one. How, how old are you now, Doug? Uh, as of last week, 84. Oh, so I'm well, lucky. Well, happy birthday. Yeah, <laughs> you are
1: lucky. That's what, I, that's what I said to Kim Hill when we talked about it. Because it 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 it's it's a progressive neurological disease that's well understood. Originally been described uh over over three thousand years ago in similar sort of words like a shaking palsy. So it's well recognized, long established. Although we know what are the features of the pathology, what are the changes in your body that causes it, we don't know why those changes occur. Mm. And people can have Parkinson's disease for 20, 30, or even 40 years, if, if, if they live long enough. It doesn't seem to shorten your life expectancy. But as, if, as it progresses, it can certainly interfere with the quality of life that you have. And that's the reason I'm lucky compared to somebody who has had Parkinson's disease from, say, the age of 40 or 50 or 60, mm. even though the younger Parkinson's people constitute only about 1% of the Parkinson's cases. So most people, it's over the age of 60. And I certainly qualify
0: in in, in, in in that in that space. So so brace yourself for a dumb Dave question. But is it um, is it hereditary? Do you have a do you have a Parkinson's gene that's been switched on, or is it environmental? How it's, do you get Parkinson's?
1: There is some rare genetic predispositions where some people. Qualify when other younger members of the family develop it, but it's pretty, 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 pretty modest, less than 5% of cases. Mm. So, over, overall, it, it can occur with no family relationship, occur out of the blue. And as I described it from my own particular case, it, it, it appears with somewhat unusual features. And that's the reason, first of all, you may not have a diagnosis. There's no single blood test for this. That's really? the reason. Yeah. That's the reason why, in fact, when when people have a, a diagnose, you go along to the doctor. It's the collection of symptoms that you have, and and signs that you have, that constitute the diagnosis. So it's a clinical diagnosis, and then you and then you go from there. And I guess the the, the issue then is, what do you do about
0: it? Yeah, I was mm-hmm. going to say, what's your
1: game plan, Doug? Well, your game plan is to find out what is the optimal treatment today, because Curiously, over the course of um, the last 50 or 60 years, so many diseases that we've had have been able to be treated with new innovations. Mm. If you have heart disease or if you have coronary disease and and have had a heart attack or at risk of having a heart attack, these days you could have clot-busting drugs that will treat an immediate heart attack and reverse some of the changes in the muscles of the heart. You protect it. You can have drugs that eat away and and swallow some of the lipids, the fats that uh, occupy your artery and cause it to be roughened and predisposed to a a blood clot. You can have better treatment for diabetes. You can have better treatments for cancer. But the changes for the treatment of Parkinson's have been rather slow, although they are valuable. Mm. So there was some... Unique studies done in the 1960s, early, late 1950s, 1960s, where people, for some reason or other, were doing studies on blood pressure-lowering agents in rodents, and they found that one drug, reserpine, was triggering a clinical picture that was similar to Parkinson's. So they then have worked out that there is a signaling compound, nerves signal to each other and to muscle by, by way of signaling compounds Mm. And this compound was called dopamine, and it is secreted from new neurons in your brain in what's called the substantial nigra part of your brain, and that's then clearly recognized. And in Parkinson's disease, the production of this is lowered, the release of dopamine is, is becomes slower and slower and slower. And as it is the singular, singular for the muscles of your body, particularly the small muscles of your body, When you release less and less of dopamine then the muscles function less and it's it's, so there's a unique combination between those two we know that the cause is the is the the lower and limited release of dopamine but we don't know why that happens so you need to crank your
0: your dopamine up a bit
1: you've got to crank your dopamine up a bit well fortunately there are drugs that are able to do that Mm. uh, although it's pretty much like a scattergun approach So there is a drug called levodopa. Mm. So the dopamine, it it says, is readily metabolized. And levodopa is, and when you take a tablet of dopamine, it can make you feel nauseous. And at the same time, it struggles to get through from your bloodstream into the brain. There is a barrier around your brain called the blood-brain barrier. And this, in fact, is, is a physiological discrimination between the blood that circulates through your capillaries mm. and the and the fluid around your brain, called cerebrospinal fluid, and we try to keep out from the brain a host of compounds that if they were allow, if they were able to get through into your brain would cause you all sorts of craziness. Mm. So there are, where there are some compounds that get through, like uh, like alcohol. So if you have your gin and tonic in the evening and you feel a bit of a buzz, that's because mm. the alcohol can get past the blood brain barrier, but most other things can't. And so the drug dopamine is, struggles to get past the blood-brain barrier, but there is a precursor called levodopa, and levodopa is like a parent of, of dopamine. And when it gets, it does get past the blood-brain barrier, it gets into the blood, into the into the brain, and at that stage, it, it it then is is metabolized into dopamine. And so there, you're able to supply some replacement of dopamine, and people who have quite significant physical limitations with the non-functioning of their muscles are able to return that to a, a reasonably adequate functional space. Mm. And so for a time, for some years, five years or 10 years, people could take levodopa on a regular basis and it frees them up, frees the muscle up. So the muscle spasm that you have seemed to go away. It frees the muscle so you could walk walk properly. It can free the muscles up so you can do things like do up your buttons and issues like that. So it is, in fact, quite a a magical compound.
0: So so quite treatable. Those symptoms are quite treatable for a length of time.
1: They are quite treatable. However, the disease is progressive. So the degree of interruption of your muscle function continues to get a little worse, which means you have to take more levodopa and after the first five years, it's probably reasonably well controlled. But after that, you may need to have higher doses or you may need to have other ancillary drugs, either ones that limit the metabolism of levodopa. And we already have that combined in the present tablet. So this is a compound that interferes with this metabolism. So the levodopa translated into dopamine hangs around for, for, for longer. So. That is one form of therapy, which is the major central form plank of therapy that most people go on, and I've started that a few weeks back, and I certainly feel a little better of having less in the way of muscle spasms. My left arm is swinging normally, and I seem to have less problem doing up buttons, so oh, as great. far as I'm pretty under pretty good control.
0: Yes, so that's the stage one of your game plan is levodopa.
1: That's, that's that, that is correct. So, so, so we're on that levodopa combined with one of these inhibitors of, of, of metabolism. That's the, 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 the compound that interrupts the metabolism of, of levodopa. So it's, so it's good. The next thing that I'm doing is I'm going along to a, a boxing class. Oh. So there is, there's, there's um, many, many individuals who've got Parkinson's feel better and feel there's some improvement in their quality of life. If they do quite a lot of exercise, so there is a um, uh, an activity that's widely touted around the world, which is counter punching. This is trying to use a, a, a boxing to heighten your coordination of your muscles. If you do, if, if you choose between jabs, uppercuts, cross cross punches, and do these against bags, and do these against someone who who is who is your 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 competitor? But you don't hit them in the face, but you hit them on the gloves they have on their hands. Wow. That really is 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 quite a um a, a popular intervention. So I go along and do that. I'm a, and a, a, have a, a, a
0: you found it's helping? I think it does. Yeah, you feel better afterwards. It, 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 You're working out your aggression towards Parkinson.
1: <laughs> well, I do notice that some of the individuals who go along to the class because everybody in the class has got Parkinson's. Yes. And almost all of them are significantly more advanced than myself. Mm. So I feel that um, when I look at them, I, I feel sorry for some of those who've had it for 10 years, mm. and so their lives have been significantly disrupted. Mm. So that's when I come home and feel, gosh, I'm a lucky guy, getting it at 80, 83, 83, instead of getting it at 53 or 63. Mm. So life's been pretty good, and I treat this as just one of those Rocks that's tossed at you might have given you a bit of a scar, but it's not one that's going to do damage very too much no. you know, in the long run. So I just wait and see what happens.
0: Yeah. So, and is it nice talking to other people who, with the same experiences? or?
1: I, th- I think it is, yes. Yeah. They, the, the, everybody is very caring of each other. Everybody is aware that they have different medications. There are such, uh, other medications that people can have. Mm. And curiously, when I was working in my pharmaceutical industry days, one of my teams was developing a Parkinson-like drug similar to, to, to dopamine mm. um, called a dopaminergic drugs called pamiprexol. And we, we, we developed that over the course of about 10 years. And it's now one of the staples on the market for people with early Parkinson's or at late stage if you need some additional help when the levodopa is not working quite oh, so wasn't well. Oh, isn't
0: that a wonderful coincidence? So your career has intersected.
1: Amazing. Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah. It's, it's one of the wonders of working in the pharmaceutical industry that you can actually see the life history of a drug which eventually comes to the market. And in this particular instance, at the moment, I don't see any need to to, to, to do this. I'm well-controlled mm. on the present one. But the, 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 the Parkinson's patients actually have to develop a close relationship with their physician Mm. because as time goes on and the uh, treatment becomes a little less effective, there are various permutations with other drugs that can be added. So it's like a cocktail and some of it's trial and error. You see if the cocktail works. So the patient has to understand what they're doing the timing of the drugs, and how long it will last and work that out through with their physician. Mm. So just because the medication, the primary medication starts to fall off in terms of its competence for you. It's not the end of the world. It's just not the end of the game. There are other, other things that can be added. Mm. And people these days, of course, because of this, the scientific community is now very adventurous, there are people who believe that you can, in fact, in, induce a gene in the back into the brain that starts to increase the production of dopamine by the brain itself. And there are 25 clinical studies which are looking at gene intervention for Parkinson's disease, which shows you how adventurous some of the scientists are trying to be. Wow. So there's 25 different Correct. interventions and
0: trials. So that's, of, that's of, very helpful. Hope-
1: of gene therapy.
0: Yeah. that's that's makes it very hopeful, doesn't it? I well, guess it, it does. It's- there
1: is a company called Oxford Biomedica, which is based in, in Oxford, obviously, in the mm. UK. And they ran a preliminary drug, uh, preliminary gene therapy, which the results look quite promising a couple of years back. Mm. It seems to have faded a bit, but they, there are now more refined versions of their initial one, which seem to be coming back in, into clinical studies. And it takes a while to get the answers, but the first the first version of this seemed to be quite promising.
0: The little I knew about Parkinson's, I, I had read or had heard that the drugs were quite old now? The drugs used to treat it had been around for a long time. Well, the,
1: the, the, the drug I'm taking, levodopa, has been around since the 1960s. Mm. Mm. So there's very, very few conditions that have as their primary drug a, um, a compound that's been in use for almost 60 years. Mm. So mm. I think it's, it, it is an amazing one that, it, that it's lasted so long and it's not been supplanted by something that is superior supplanted at times by something, that might be a little different, but not supplanted by something that's superior.
0: Mm. So no
1: matter how much the chemistry has been looked to try and find something that might be better, uh, it's not yet quite successful. So I think that um, we do know that your life expectancy doesn't change that much um, with, with the condition. However, your cognitive function. Might slowly decline as you as as the condition persists because it's progressive. Mm-hmm. So if you have to be careful of that and 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 watch for that as time goes on, because your mental competence might start to decay after some years—hopefully five or ten years. When mm-hmm. I get past that stage, and well, I don't really care what I'm like in my mid-nineties, no,
0: no, you've got to get to a hundred. Remember, you promised me. Yeah.
1: I did, I did, yeah. Like, I, I, but you be I, your my dad. dad. you, Dave.
0: <laughs> so, so there, do, there are
1: also stem cell therapies that people are looking at?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. So, I was going to ask you about that. There's sort of some radical stuff out there, isn't there? Well, there stem is. cells isn't so radical, is it? It's just starting at the beginning, it, isn't it? It,
1: it, it, it? you 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 take some cells of the body, and now you can uh, tr- you can convert them. From what has been a their original predi- predicated uh, life lifestyle, the, 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 the job that they were going to do inside the, the the body, and you can adjust them into what's called pluripotential stem cells. Mm. So these are stem cells that then, in fact, can be persuaded to mimic some replacement features of the body. So they may become pluripotential liver cells or muscle cells or hearts, heart mm-hmm. muscle cells, and there are some that will be pluripotential nervous cells, neurons, and these can be persuaded and people are trying in this space very actively, particularly at the University of Cambridge in the UK, to stimulate these cells to replace the um, dopamine secreting cells Mm. and to transplant those back into the individuals and as they have pluripotential stem cells, they would then be able to reduce and replace replace each other. Some of the work is originally promising. But the word "promising" is 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 commonly used, particularly when you're trying to raise money as a as a yeah. you know, pharmaceutical company or a, or a biotech company. But at least that's it's underway. But I, I don't know how much how many of these various new innovations will be able to offer me an a, an advance beyond what we have. But if the reality of today is all I'm going to face for the next few years, then I'll, I'll just I'll t- take that and say I'm a lucky guy.
0: Yeah. Brilliant, and so you'll keep on boxing. What about um, diet, as well as exercise? Is there any other advice around that?
1: There's, there's. People say if you live a healthier diet, a healthier lifespan. You live a sort of diet like a diet that's good for um, for preventing heart disease and and preventing strokes and things like that, like a Mediterranean diet. Issues like is that that may help. It's very difficult to prove these things. You only know that people who do exercise certainly feel they're doing something for themselves and certainly the camaraderie that they develop with working with other people uh, and the fact that if they feel fitter and, and, and a little more mobile and they find that by doing these particular tasks, things get feel better for them, even though it might not change the natural history of their disease, it at least gives them a positive stimulus and I think that's a, that, that's a great thing. I so like exercise doesn't,
0: doesn't spark up your dopamine production no, it doesn't seem to. No, no. So it's all about it, that, it, that dopamine, isn't it? But
1: that, but that curious thing, Dave, that, that if, if, if the ancient Egyptians um, and, the, and the ancient Chinese uh, up to 1000 BC were aware of the condition, then it's obviously got a fairly basic um, pathology, whatever causes it, which we still don't know. We know what it does. We don't know what causes it. Um. And that that, that that mankind has been um, subject to this this affliction for a long long time. It's more common in older people, not quite as linked to age as 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 uh, Alzheimer's is, but certainly it's far more common in older people. And I've, as I qualify from that sort of perspective, I just take what take what comes. And it's different from a stroke because if you have a stroke, the clinical features of that are. Uh, obvious immediately, mm. but in this condition, the clinical features may take you some years to develop. So, you better to take this, the, the, the 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 slow pirate rather than the fast pirate.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, I've just had a flashback. I knew, I knew, I knew something about this. It was Carson the Butler on Downton Abbey, uh, in the last episode, maybe in the film. He was diagnosed with what he called the palsy. So that's it, that's isn't it? it? That's absolutely I saw a... that I saw that one it
1: was good and I felt good, good on him for um, you know the writing write that into the story. Yes. So I'll have to
0: write that into my next book. Yes, you will, you will. Well you're in good company, um Billy Connolly, Neil Diamond, Muhammad Ali.
1: Neil Diamond, Muhammad
0: Ali, Michael J. Fox, Michael J. Fox, of Robert course. John Walker. Yep. Yeah. All all great athletes, Doug, like you. Or yeah. Some of them anyway. <laughs> I wish- I, I
1: wish but anyway I think the important thing about it is um, uh to just just be open about what you've got and people can can accept it and if you look if, if you perform a little more slowly a task that you were otherwise doing mm. and you spill something off your fork because your uh, you, your hands are not quite as competent as they used to be people just accept you for what you for uh, what you are and we just uh, we, we we just carry on. You Isn't one that one of the on.
0: beauties of being 84, Doug, that you don't really worry about things too much? Things that, you no, know. I don't. I don't,
1: I, 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 I don't, Dave. You can't because you, you, the, 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 there are things that you used to do that you cannot do anymore. But if you take a professional athlete who reaches his late 30s when his whole professional life is dependent upon his physical flexibility and physical competence and that starts to go well then his career and everything related to that has reached its peak and you're down the other side and that can be a miserable time for for, for individuals whereas at my stage at 84 if things go down the other side as I get a little older well that just means that I've, I continue to do what I'm doing which is because I'm really a student of, of, of the aging process mm. I can still and I can still be as immersed in that from the uh, from an examination viewpoint, as I can other things. I'm, sta- I'm starting to talk to some younger students, which I'm actually enjoying. Oh, I'm yeah. going to go a conference in, in Auckland in a, in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Quite exciting to speak to people in their uh, 18, 19, 20 and 21 all that sort of age because we have a different perspective on life.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, and, and that's, that's wonderful and you have that wisdom. No one has studied ageing like you, no one I know anyway. <laughs> Hey, um, and you will just keep on doing what you're doing. Are you writing a lot?
1: Well, I, I, I am. I'm just updating my my uh, website at the mm. at this stage, which is, which is which is good. I finished my book, The Aging Well: Yeah, uh, How to uh, Navigate Life's Journey in Your Later Years. Mm. Um, and that we've I've given a number of talks following that, so that's been good, mm. including one crazy do you, one that on.
0: Do you find giving talks um, as fun or do you find it more stressful as you get older?
1: It's not so much stressful. You've got to ensure that your, um, your memory is good enough that you can finish the talk mm. uh, with the same perspective as you started it. <laughs> oh, that's good.
0: Than... That's always good. <laughs> so, um, well, you're not going to let, let it get you down, that's for sure. So I look forward to reporting in, in, a, in a few months on progress. So thank you, Doug. Dave, thank you. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Hey, just one thing: do you do you wish that they put every every biopharmaceutical company in the world worried about Parkinson's as much as COVID? Wouldn't that be amazing? Puts uh,
1: they yeah, just well, did
0: so much so quickly, didn't they?
1: I think there's so many diseases and things out there that really um, would have a priority, even ahead of Parkinson's disease. It, it mm. you know it, it it affects a proportion of the population, but it's quite a low proportion,
0: isn't it, compared to Alzheimer's and dementia?
1: It, it, it is. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the, the 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 real burden at the moment is 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 Alzheimer's and dementia, mm. because so little has actually worked in Alzheimer's disease. The other version of dementia, which is vascular dementia, like mini strokes, mm. there's certainly activities on in a positive sense from that from from that situation, but not so much for the the Alzheimer's. Yeah. So there have been 250 major studies in Alzheimer's disease looking for drugs that would interfere with the natural history. None of them have worked. Mm,
0: Yeah, that is grim, isn't it? That's grim. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time, Doug, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Dave. Take care.